0: Ryan Dixon and Rory Boylan host Tape to Tape, the hockey podcast by Sportsnet.
1: Tate to Tate. T2T. I'm Ryan Dixon. I'm a writer for Sportsnet.ca. With me in the booth, as always, he's already survived his first lone daddy-daughter <laughs> night of his life, <laughs> for Rory Boylan. Reality check on Saturday night. So my <laughs> wife goes
2: to a Bruno Mars concert, and our daughter is now just over two months old. And it was the first time I had been left with her alone for an extended period. It was funny because on Wednesday she went to a movie, so I was with her for about two and a half hours or so. A bit of a trial run, I yep, guess you could see say. See if Daddy can handle it. So it was a good, solid eight or nine hours or so. And you know what? She was perfect. Oh, you must be a good parent. Mom came home and was like, "Why didn't you give him a hard time? You're supposed to give him a hard time <laughs> and challenge him." But it was just one diaper that had some pee in it. No, even no poo. This is dad talk right here. Oh, yeah. this, this is the real stuff. But she was quiet and calm. We watched some TV. Watched a lot of that. Uh, uh, norm mcdonald has a show on netflix great stuff it was a pretty good saturday night me and the,
1: the little lady <laughs> my uh favorite uh norm mcdonald anecdote uh, of late is when he's on seinfeld's comedians getting cars yeah. <laughs> sorry comedians getting uh in cars getting coffee yes. and he's like oh jerry you uh so basically you've just combined two things you like to do and jerry's like yeah well that's right he's like so if i had a show it'd be called uh Eating Count Chocula in my underwear in the kitchen. Ah, uh, Norm Macdonald. All right. Well, we will leave the humor for another day because unfortunately, we're kicking things off with a bit of sad news for a one-time heart uh, trophy winner. Seems like a long time ago, but uh, yep. not that that long ago. That Corey Perry was the guy who was winning. I think the scoring title and the heart. In that season, I'm going to say 2010, 11, that was, but he won't be doing the the, rocket. He won 2010, 11. We didn't have him circled probably for the top of the charts this year, but we especially don't now with the news that he'll be out for about five months. Anaheim GM, Bob Murray saying with a knee injury that required surgery. So, I mean, the reality is Roy. you know, we've been talking for a little bit and the ducks have been talking for a little bit about the need to get quicker, is this going to open up the door on a team that may have been in transition already for some of those next-generation Ducks to crash through? The stars
2: are aligning here for a guy I've been uh, talking about for a while, Andre Kasha. This guy played third-line minutes for the Ducks last season, 21 goals. So it was a bit of a breakout year for him, but not, not to his full potential, I don't think. He can skate really well, so he's going to give you that speed that Bob Murray was looking for. And even though he was in third-line minutes, so he was eighth in the NHL league-wide in goals per 60 minutes at five-on-five last season. Guys just ahead of him on this list, James Van Riemsdyk, Nathan McKinnon, Nikita Kucherov, Connor McDavid. He was ahead of Brock Besser and Patrick Laine. I mean, is he going to go in here and score 40 goals? I'm not going to bet on that kind of production, but there's a lot more for this guy and if he can if especially if there's a world where he can move his way up alongside ryan getzoff i think there's some huge explosion here coming but you know it was going to be hard for them to move cory perry out of that top six and give an opportunity but this injury is is a little bit of a blessing in disguise for them it'll be interesting to see what happens when he comes back at the end of the year but it looks like there's something big happening for andre catcher so if you haven't drafted your fantasy team
1: yet Keep him on the radar for the late rounds. All right, so Kasha, a guy who for sure we're looking at, I mean, even before this, I think he'd be someone to circle in your fantasy draft, but let's switch gears here. We're going to talk a little about guys who we're not quite sure what to make of yet. Their preseasons are looking good, but what we're trying to establish here is whether this is truth or or fiction that's what we're calling this segment truth or fiction is this real what we're seeing from some guys or is this kind of sort of made up and can't really put a whole lot of faith in it all right so why don't we start with a couple guys on the right side with the Edmonton Oilers and if you haven't been keeping track with the Oilers you can certainly check out our man Mark Spector's work, he was talking about what a black hole it's been on the right side in Edmonton for the last little while. That could be changing. We have the, let me get my year straight. What? 2016 fourth overall pick Jesse Pugliarvi, who hasn't really made a whole lot of an impression yet at the NHL level. Pugliarvi looking good thus far with four goals for the Oilers in the preseason. But the big news, of course, is the man playing with Connor McDavid, Ty Raddy, seven goals in three games for Raddy. Is this a case of truth or fiction that the Oilers may have solved their issues on the right side? And we should also probably throw Kaylor Yamamoto in there as well, but we'll focus on the first two guys.
2: I'm buying Raddy. I think there's some truth here. I... I Look, I'm not projecting a 180-goal season, but <laughs> this guy, he was almost a first-round pick. He was a second-round pick, 32nd overall, but he's got a good track record in previous levels. You know, in junior, he was a great goal scorer. He had two amazing playoffs. He he led the WHL in goals, I believe, both of those seasons. He was the MVP in one of those playoff runs with the Portland Winter Hawks. And he's just, you know, he was pretty good in the AHL, too. 31 goals as a rookie, which was the highest of any first-year player in 2013-14. He followed that up with 21-59. and But he's kind of been up and down a little bit between the AHL and the NHL. He's never played more than 14 games, which he did last year for the Edmonton Oilers in the NHL. So I think he just needs some sticking power. And I think all you want with Connor McDavid, if Ryan Eugene Hopkins is on the left side, and those are your two big hitters, you know, the two number one overall picks and all that stuff... All you need on that right-hand side is a guy who's capable of keeping up with them, who's capable of shooting the puck when the opportunities come to him, that can keep up, you know, all the, all this stuff. I think Raddy is that guy. He's got the IQ to hang with those guys. He's not going to be a guy who's going to score 80 points or anything like that, but he's going to be very serviceable on that right side and a good fit. So I think there's some truth to him having some staying power on that right side with McDavid. I don't know if I'm ready to buy into Pugliarvi yet or not. Uh, There are some reports in Edmonton that the players have said that he's been he's impressed them with how he's arrived at camp. But I can't buy any of this stuff of of guys arriving to camp in great shape, as we talked on last week's show. I mean, it happens every single year. There's some potential if he if he sticks and is a good performer alongside Leon Draisaitl, it's going to transform the way we look at the Edmonton Oilers. I think. I don't know if I'm ready to buy into to him yet. He you know, had 16 goals. I think it was 12, 12. goals last year, 61 games. I think there's a lot of proving still to be done for Jesse Puljuari. He's got the pedigree. He's got the size. I just don't know if I'm ready to to say there's truth. There's more fiction for me. Sticking
1: in Alberta, Dylan Dubé, captain of Canada's World Junior team last time out. Five preseason games, four goals with the Flames. Is this real? Is this truth, or is there a little uh, fiction here? I think there's fiction here.
2: 20 years old, he's coming right up from the WHL. I think this is a guy, you know, a second-round pick. I think he needs to spend some time in the AHL first, to me, this is a preseason performer. There's no way he's going to fit onto a, a top two line there. It's even going to be hard for him to fit onto the third line in Calgary, which is looking pretty decent too. So, you know, you, there, there's no way you're going to project this kind of NHL regular season production from Dubey. I think he goes to the AHL. This is all fiction for me.
1: All right. One more. Valentin Zykov, winger with the Carolina line Hurricanes. It. Five points in three games. I think you smell some some seriously honest truth here
2: yeah I do you know this is one of the most interesting players I'm keeping an eye on this year 33 goals in 63 AHL games last season then he came up to the NHL scored three times had seven points in 10 games I mean he's a pretty thick guy six foot one 224 pounds that's kind of similar to what Andrei Spechnikov is coming in at although Zykov isn't going to have the same ceiling of course but I wonder with this Carolina team, as good as their defense looks, maybe you think there's a bounce back coming from Scott Darling. Where are the goals going to come from? They were a bottom third team in the league in goals last year. And then you trade away Jeff Skinner. Elias Lindholm wasn't giving you a lot, but he was giving you something in that department. Where are the goals going to come from? Sebastian Aho is a pretty good bet to get to 30 goals. Who knows what Seveshnikov is going to be able to bring you right away. But I think this is where Zykov is a bit of an X factor. If he can have a good, solid rookie season for you you know maybe he slips into that calder he might be the guy who comes in out of nowhere into this calder discussion at the end of the season if he performs at the level we've seen
1: from him in the ahl and a little bit of a taste of the nhl last year it's really sneaky pick here you know what is a giant x factor anything related to the ottawa senators x factor question mark who the blank knows that's basically The sentiment around the Sens these days as just seems like with each passing day, there is something else that happens that is quasi demoralizing, quite frankly, for the guys on the team, for the people who follow the team. Our man Luke Fox was up in Ottawa for the opening of training camp. And we're going to bring Luke on here shortly to talk about just what his observations were from from being around there. I mean, I think everyone can uh, would anticipate that uh, it's not exactly a, a rosy scenario. But we're going to get Luke on here and try and drill down on precisely what's going on there. And if there is just any hope at all in Ottawa. Because right now it's very easy to say short and long term there's not. Let's find out from Luke. That is coming up on the other side of the break. Luke Fox right here on Tape to Tape. Welcome back to Tape to Tape. Joining us on the line now, simply happy to be talking to two guys who aren't going to chastise him, like happened the other day. It is uh, Luke Fox of Sportsnet.ca. Luke, apparently Mike Babcock, already in midseason uh, irritated with the media for him. He asked what seemed like a pretty innocuous question about uh, stacking the first power play unit, but it uh, seemed like Mr. Babcock wasn't into the line of questioning.
0: No, he wasn't. He didn't like that I went there. I, I thought it was, you know, pretty obvious that they have stacked that that first power play unit. Maybe he took issue with the word stacking because maybe it insults the the second unit a little bit. But when you put your top three centers in kadri, Tavares, and and Matthews all on one unit, plus Mitch Marner, your leading point scorer from last year, and in the playoffs, and Morgan Riley, your top defenseman, all in one unit. Um, the second unit has guys like Tyler Ennis and Josh Levo right now. So uh, I think it is a pretty, pretty distinct, um, divide and it's uncharacteristic for the way he's deployed the power play units in the past with the least, They're pretty balanced, um, the last couple of years. So it's a, it's a significant change. And I I think some people are wondering if, if part of this stems from uh, a request from Matthews. You know, I think he wanted to be on the power play. With Mitch Marner. I think he wanted Zach Hyman off his line and have someone with more finish. He's really excited that Patrick Marlowe's in that spot right now. So I think these are some of the things that you do to keep your uh, star center happy.
1: So let me just go
0: back to that moment and I
1: assure you I'm going to make fun of myself here too and tell a story of my own in in a minute and hopefully this isn't too inside baseball for people because we are making fun of ourselves and I think making fun of the media is something people can usually get on board with. So like your stomach sinks the second he just turns and goes what are you talking about right?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's not the kind of guy you want to get into it back and forth with, right? <laughs> and, and he also, he like, he uses the media to control his message. He, he's big on coaching through the media. If he wants to send a message to a player, he uses that, and, that, and that's, you know, and that's fine. Um, so I think he wanted to shut down any questioning of um, how he's designed the power play and, how, and the changes he's made. He doesn't like getting questions about uh, his lineup. Uh, you know, it, it, I remember last year he fired back uh, about to one reporter about, well, do you want to coach the team or something that like I'm the coach, I'm making the decisions. He There's certain topics that are touchy for him. For
1: well, sure. my, so my uh, I, I'm guessing you lived the experience of all of a sudden uh, hearing your voice kind of go viral as it was like and today in sports Mike Babcock little upset with the media that happened to me some years ago during the um highly uh contentious Ron Wilson era in Toronto when they were chanting Fire Wilson and I was sitting up there covering the game and I was like well I guess somebody's got to ask him about this right I mean I think we know he's probably not excited about it but like <laughs> what are his thoughts right so we went through, we, as, uh, as, uh, everyone who's on the beat knows, you go to the, the players, uh, the dressing room first, and then someone comes in and goes, coach in 10 minutes, and you run over to, to the, the, uh, the room where they're at the podium. So I had talked to a couple guys who talked about it. I remember Clark MacArthur was like, oh, I was sickened by that. Like, you know, I, we love Ronnie and, you know, the fans, uh, I know they pay their, you know, pay their money but that's that's ridiculous so i was kind of just thinking to myself maybe we don't really have to ask wilson about this because i bet it's not territory he's excited to get into and the mistake i made i was kind of sitting there going someone else gonna ask about this and then he was just about to leave the podium and i was like You know, you kind of soft sell it a bit. Oh, Ron, Clark MacArthur said he was sickened by the booze. Like, what did you think of it? And he just he had turned to walk just a bit and he kind of like scowled back and he said something to the effect of like, I'm not going to talk about that. And you can clearly if you read lips, you could see him say to uh, the old PR man, Pat Park, as he walked away. Who is that prick? <laughs> so I woke up the next day. I had, I used to have my old clock radio set to like wake up to to the radio and uh I was sure like literally the first voice I heard was uh You know, and Ron Wilson a little testy day, and you can as soon as you hear that fuzz of, so you can hear the background of the guy asking the question. You you know something's coming, and I was like, hey, I recognize that guy's voice, and then boom. So, anyways, Luke, I thought of you when I was rewinding the game and was like, is that Luke when they showed the clip? Was that Luke? I think that was probably Luke.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and I got I got texts from like people I kind of know. (laughs) <laughs> uh, like acquaintances, like, uh, was that you asking that question? I thought, I think that's your voice. I was just like, Oh man. Uh, on the, it's on like, the way,
1: on the way out of the room that day, Myrtle was, James Myrtle was laughing at me. And I kind of was gave him the, what are you laughing at? Look, and he goes, <laughs> I'm only laughing. Cause he's done it to all of us. I'm like, it happens to everyone eventually. Right. <laughs> Isn't that how you yeah, know I you're guess. doing a good job? Exactly. That's right. That's right. Okay. So you know, who's not doing a good job. Basically anyone employed to run Ottawa, at this point, Luke, you were up there at the start of training camp. I I think when we were anticipating, um, maybe the Carlson trade would happen. Lo and behold, it did. You were there the day it went down. There's so many places we could go with this and we'll get to the most recent development with, um, you know, with Matt Duchesne, basically in um, no uncertain terms saying they were not excited about Zach Smith, a, a respected player being put on waivers, but, why don't you just take me through in general what you saw when you were in Ottawa, the day uh, the Carlson trade broke. And I mean, I think we all have a sense of what the vibe is there, but uh, what did you see on the ground?
0: Yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. There was definitely like a feeling in the air. And so all the, all the guys are coming in for media day. It was the first uh, required day for everyone to show up. And he had been at, the um, the golf the team golf tournament charity golf tournament the day before, so everyone knew he was in town. Um, but he he just never came. His, his jersey was there and it never got claimed. You know, all the other guys kind of came and left, and it was like, well, maybe he'll come in an hour. Maybe he'll come in an hour, and or you know, it kept getting pushed back. And um, then of course on Twitter it was all a light. You know, the fact that something was was imminent. And um, while this is happening, I'm getting to interview. Uh, guys like Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne and Bobby Ryan and the news is out there that this is, this is going to happen so it was kind of an interesting spot for me because I was able to ask them about it and just the tone of their voice it was like they had, they had already come to terms with the fact that he was gone um, I think everyone knew um, for the last couple months that he was not going to open camp with this team um, and they, they, they had almost Already been at the acceptance stage. And there was a real divide in talking to older players like that versus the younger players. Um, you know, Mark Stone had just been through a, a contract negotiation that didn't end well. He really wanted a long term deal, and I, I take him at his word. And they only ended up getting one year. You know, Matt Duchesne said there were zero conversations about an extension. Um, and then Bobby Ryan was kind of surprised to even be there. And then the younger guys are all excited. You know, for them, rebuild means ice time. It means they're getting a real opportunity and they, they're, they're full of energy and, and confidence and they're excited. Guys like Brady Kachuk and uh, Logan Brown, Thomas Shabbat, like it, there's a real positivity amongst those guys where the older older group, you know, understandably, feels a, a little defeated. And that, that just got piled on with, with the Zach Smith, um, you know, p- putting on waivers. Bobby Ryan actually mentioned Smith in particular as a guy that the young guys need to um, be around and, and a key person in, in, you know, changing the locker room culture there, which got too clicky. Um, and he signaled him out as, as being an important guy to that team. So it wasn't that surprising to, see, to hear, you know, guys like Matthew Shane saying it was a kick in the, in, you know, what, um, when they put him on waivers and basically embarrassed him and said, you know, no team wants you, it's it's bad there, and it, it, it all comes down to money, right? It's it's this is a, you know Pierre Dorian has a tough job, um, and you know you can definitely criticize his job, but his hands are tied. This is all from the owner.
2: Yeah, so it is all about money with Ottawa, and now, now all the eyes are turning to Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne specifically because these are the guys, the big ticket UFA's next summer. You know, if they're going to re sign, they're both going to be re signing for a lot of money, which I'm not sure they can get both of them done or not. I'm wondering. So, like you said, Mark Stone wanted to sign a long term deal. You got to take him at his word. This Zach Smith stuff happens, and it, it, the players spoke about it afterwards. They didn't sound too pleased about it. Guy Boucher didn't even sound like he was too thrilled about it because he was using him uh, as a, as a top-six center there, and he said, if he clears, I'm just going to put him back in the lineup the next game, which he's going to do because he did clear. Um, you know... It, if, if, if Ottawa insists on doing these things, you know, trying to get rid of Smith because of his money, if they do that again or if they do that in some other way with some other player, like, do you see the equation changing still with Mark Stone where he might just say, you know what, I don't want to be on a team whose priorities aren't necessarily about winning. It's about, kind of, it, it's about getting around that budget. It, do, you see, do you see a world where you know, he, he changes his opinion and he, he's no longer interested in, in a long-term deal here?
0: Yeah, I could see that. I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah. Just, oh, I, I don't know, you know why like, he would be like, interested
2: in a long-term contract in the first place. No, I know. <laughs> and, and,
0: well, th- that's what makes it sad is because Carlson actually, you know, loved the area, loved, loved being an Ottawa senator. Kyle Turris loved living in Ottawa and being an Ottawa, Ottawa senator. These small market teams, you know. You could throw a place like Winnipeg in the same boat, or, or look at what Columbus is going through with Panarin and Bobrovsky. Like, if, if you're not a big city and you do, you can't really attract um, key guys, so when you get them and and they actually love it there and love being there, want to sign long term, it, it's so disheartening uh, for if you're a fan or if you're a teammate or whoever. Um, if you can't keep those guys, these are the guys you want to keep guys who want to be there. Like that's, that's the kind of guy you build around. Mark stone is like exactly the kind of guy you want in your room and on the ice. Like he plays a 200 foot game. He goes back, back checks like crazy, takes your puck and goes and scores in the other direction. Like if you're not going to pay him, who are you going to pay? Like just get off your wallet. If you want to, if you're serious about about trying to build a team, Um, you know, it, it, to the point where it begs the question of of what it what is Melnick's real end game here? What, what's he trying to do? Right. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's a head scratcher.
2: It's definitely a long term thing going on uh, uh, here in Ottawa now. Now I want your opinion on you know a lot has been made after the Carlson trade with all this stuff hanging over uh their ufas that this is the darkest time in ottawa centers history i don't think you can count their their expansion season because that was pretty dark (laughs) but that's how it goes (laughs) for you give them a pass on that yeah you give them a pass there i mean do, do you think these are among the darkest days because of carlson is gone the situation with the ufas but on the other hand like you said, like Logan Brown is coming on up, Colin White is coming on up, Thomas Shabbat is going to be your number one before long, pretty much because the rest of the defense is a, is a wasteland there. Like there are intriguing prospects. Brady Kachuk is a, is the next guy coming up here this year. I mean, are these really the darkest days, or is it, you know, can Senators fans be optimistic that while the rebuild is underway, like there are things to look forward to here for the team in the in the coming years?
0: There absolutely are things to look forward to. They, they like they, they don't have the worst prospect pool by a long shot. Like they, they have a lot of exciting names. I thought Brady Kachuk was an excellent draft pick. Um, I think he's going to be a, a, eventually be a star in this league. And you name some of the other ones. The other guy is Alex Formington, um, is showing a lot of promise. A couple of the veterans mentioned that he's really stood out at camp. So there there's a lot of um, building blocks. It's just like. If you're a fan, you have to have confidence that when it comes time to, uh, for Shabbat to sign or for Kachuk to sign a real deal, you know, when he's done with his entry level, is this franchise going to pony up and, and invest in these guys? Because they have a lot of really good building blocks. Um, but, you know, it's just like how many times are you going to be fooled when a, a guy comes, it comes due to make his real money that at that point you want to trade him away? So I, there needs to be some, you know, faith between uh, the club and and the fan base uh, because I think the attendance is going to be a storyline this year. Like, I, you know, how we've seen those, those shots that go viral of um, Panthers games or Carolina games. I think that's what we're going to see at the Canadian Tire Center, unfortunately.
1: You guys want to hear a tweet that pretty much summarizes all of this. Uh, it comes courtesy of uh, Sportsnet's Ryan Walsh. I haven't verified, so hopefully Walsh has his facts straight here, but he tweeted recently, Eric Carlson's next contract will have an annual average salary more than all seven current senator defensemen combined. And after Cody Ceci, the highest paid defenseman on the senator's payroll this year will be the $1.75 million in retained salary on Dion Phaneuf. Uh, not good not good <laughs> and, yeah i mean it really does just come down to all right if i'm a sense fan uh, can i you guys talked about the people who are coming up but do i just feel like we're going to be in this endless cycle of well when they're good they're going to be gone too or do we think when at some point the arena stuff sorts itself out that you know maybe maybe then Ottawa's on uh, a different trajectory and can, you know, actually retain the, the players required to to build the winner. So I think we can safely say it's going to be a long time before we're speaking in a positive light about the Senators.
2: Yeah. And it's hard yeah. to, it's hard to have confidence in this management at this point in time, right? Because they so, uh, they they did not see coming what I think a lot of people saw coming. They went all in on this team after they came so close to make it to the Stanley Cup final, despite all these terrible underlying numbers, by trading for Matt Duchesne. And then halfway through the season, a little bit more than halfway through the season, you decide to go into a rebuild in February. And you don't have your first round pick because that's gone to Colorado. You decide to take Brady Kachuk, which means then this next one is coming up. And it's just like you're in a rebuild, but you traded away your first round pick and now you're going to lose the guy who you traded the first round pick for. I mean, what you have to believe that if you're going through a rebuild, that the guys who are at the helm of it are going to steer it in the right direction. And at this point in time, it's just kind of hard to believe in that, isn't it?
0: No, absolutely. No, the confidence between the fan base and, and the ownership management is is shot. I mean, they're, they're taking out billboards of Melnick out, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how you how you repair that. Yes, getting a, an arena downtown, that's, I think that would be a tremendous step. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it might come to the point where they need a, a change of ownership, um, but he loves being the owner. So yeah. I, I don't know where it goes from here. That said, you know, there's always a team that comes out and surprises us. You know, Colorado, no one would have picked them to make the playoffs. Um, they, I don't think they're going to be awful, awful, awful. I, I would argue that, they, you know, they might finish ahead of Montreal and, and even Buffalo in the, hmm. in their division. Like, I don't know if they're going to bottom right out. Um, and maybe they can use use this and, and kind of rally around the underdog thing. I mean, that's basically the only thing you can hope for.
1: All right. Well, since you kind of sort of kind of brought it up there, Luke, our next pod is going to be our predictions podcast. Little teaser there for everyone. I don't know if you have sketched it all out yet, but any, uh, you don't have to give us a cup winner or anything if you don't have one, but any other, uh, any teams you're really high on or, or the opposite, anyone you think that's poised for a drop as we enter prediction season here?
0: Oh, um, well, I mean, there's, there's a few teams. I, I, I think I'm really high on Winnipeg. I know they lost um, Paul Stastny, who was just a rental, but they pretty much kept everyone together. And I, I think if they were to play you know, a, a, another series uh, against Vegas right, right away, maybe they would have won that one. I don't think they were so severely outmatched. I think they ran into a really hot goaltender. Um, so I, I'm high on the Jets. I also am a big fan of um, the moves Calgary made this off season. The fact that Brad Treliving didn't kind of just sit on his hands or, or, you know, yes, he, he fired the coach and made a change there, but that's not all he did. He also changed a bunch of players. Um, And I, and I like the moves he's done. So I think they could maybe surprise some people. I know everyone's kind of circling the sharks as, as the team in the Pacific now that they got Carlson, but I think the flames on paper are a really good team. And if, if, you know, Bill Peters can get them playing well and Mike Smith can stay healthy. I think they can surprise some people. So um, th- those are a couple teams that I'm really impressed by. And I also feel like Sidney Crosby is just going to tear it up, that he watching Ovechkin have so much fun with his cup and uh, everyone kind of claiming Connor McDavid is the best player in the world now. I think we're going to see Sid um, have, a, have another bit of an encore this year.
1: The motivated Sidney Crosby—that is yeah. always a bit of a uh, frightening thought. I think we can safely say yes. There's still some some gas in the tank. All right, Luke. Thanks for joining us. Stay on a Babcock's good side. All right.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: <laughs> that is exactly. that is Luke Fox of Sportsnet.ca. Okay, Rory, I'm dropping one on you here. An impromptu fake trade. on, I hate these things. And, well, don't worry, because i have this is one I've been cooking up. You just have okay. to respond to it. Okay. Impromptu segment here in honor of that conversation with Luke about Ottawa. And you mentioned, he mentioned Mark Stone. If you're not going to pay this guy, who are you going to pay? He's the rare winger who's truly... Entered into the Selkie Trophy conversation. He's he's one of those coaches' dreams, right? Like, mm-hmm. he just does all the small things, all the big things. Just a fantastic player. I want to say point a game player last year. Missed about 20 games, but I think he was about 60 points in 60 games. So I ask you. Okay. If you were the Colorado Avalanche, a team looking to build on a strong, surprising season last year, would you be interested, given you already have a number one center in Nathan McKinnon, Would you flip Ottawa, it's 2019 first round pick, non-lottery protected, Mm -hmm. no protections, back to Ottawa for Mark Stone, assuming Stone, it was a sign and trade, he signs a reasonable eight-year extension, I think he's 26. You're putting him into your lineup now for the rest of his 20s and early 30s, just a Just a wonderful, wonderful player. Because, as Luke talked about, who knows how things shake out. It's actually pretty hard to finish last in the NHL. Even if you're doing the things that Ottawa's doing. And even if Ottawa finishes last, if I have the math right, there's essentially about an 82% chance someone else is going to be drafting Jack Hughes. But if you're Ottawa you're getting that pick back it's almost certainly going to be high and you're back in the jack hughes derby what about from the colorado perspective would you essentially do a one for one give ottawa its pick back and you get mark stone for the next nine seasons this one plus eight more
2: i just want to point out capo cacco who is the number two ranked prospect who i'm gonna love saying that oh, guy's yeah. name for the next 18 years he's got Patrick Line upside and he's off to a better start in the finish league this year than Patrick Line was in his draft year. So maybe there's a pretty good cons- consolation prize coming there. But if Mark Stone is signed, heck yes, I'm doing you do that, that because I think they need some help on that second line. I think you need some more pop there. And if he's signed, I mean, if that pick ends up being Jack Hughes, then that trade, I mean, you lose a generational talent potentially whatever, and you might regret it. But, in all likelihood, it's not going to be that guy. It's going to be someone further down the lineup, like you said. Best case scenario, that player turns into Mark Stone. So I would take that trade off for the future player, for the guy who's going to come in right now and improve my team right away. Because if they bring a guy like that in, I think Colorado could be a, a team on the rise very, very quickly. If you have him for that long, if you have him for nine years, yeah. I mean, of course, you've got to take the, the Mark Stone is a guy who should be on Team Canada's in years to come, I think. Great scoring upside, but more than anything, a two-way player who just does anything. So, yes, for sure. I'm actually going to say yes to this fake trade. Oh, first
1: fake trade of the year <laughs> feels fantastic. All right, friends, the regular season kicks off. October 3rd our next pod I alluded to it We are going deep on predictions We're not too good for predictions on this pod We love them man We absolutely love making ourselves look foolish So make sure you check back Early next week We will be laying it on the line Who we think is making the playoffs Who we think is going to the final four Who we think is taking the cup Until then you can always follow Rory on Twitter At Rory Boylan Myself at Dixon on sports Check us out the podcast, our work on sportsnet.ca. Subscribe in iTunes and come back next time for more glass rattling hockey action on tape to tape.